You're listening to the No Name Photo Show. It's not spouse approved. It may or may not be safe for work. We'll see. And now here's your host, Brian Matias, and me, Sharky James. All right, Brian, here we are again. Episode four. We've quadrupled our episode output. Every episode, are you going to say, we, we have septupled? I only know up to quintupled. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. It's going to be fascinating for people. Sextupled? <laughs> hey, we're not getting into that. It's not that kind of show. Uh, it's true. We're trying to maintain our clean rating here. Easy now. <laughs> so, so Sharky and I, we, 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 um, we use Trello as our kind of where we do our topics, where we keep track of topics for the episodes. And so I, I saw the that Petapixel cover that Canon had announced some new lenses, some new Tilshift lenses. And of course, Sharky's just like, I already did that on the Petapixel photography podcast. I really but, don't talk like that. <laughs> In my head, you do. All right. So yes, they announced three new Tiltshift lenses as if however many they had already was not enough. Like four and- or five. <laughs> no. But you had a I'm good just idea throwing some shade, and they had well, and they and, and a new uh, dual flash macro flash, yeah. Which oh, and an eighty-five one four. But Don Kamarechka, he shoots Nikon, right? Yes, he's got a one DX Mark II. Oh, so he shoots Canon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, so then he'll right, like maybe he? that that macro the twin lens because he does all the macro stuff. Sure. Um, and you should check him out, Don Don Kamarechka. We'll put him in the show notes. I think it's doncom.com, D-O-N-K-O-M.com, or it might be .ca. He's Canadian. We're not going to hold that against him, though. There goes our Canadian audience. That's okay. They have got a good sense of humor. They do, and they're really nice people. They really are. Be sure to check out nonamephotoshow.com for show notes. Subscribe if you haven't Subscribe. done so already. A lot of you have. Many thousands of you already have, which is insane. So we thank you. We appreciate it. We speak your names. We speak your name. <laughs> if you're if you're a Stern fan, you get that reference. Or if you follow Oprah, I, I guess. Anyway, so we were talking about tilt shift lenses, and then Sharky, you came up with a really good idea for the topic. So, oh, Sharky, why don't you tell everyone? Well, see, okay, so you've got your regular lenses, you know. So you've got, let's say, you've got an eighty-five-one-four, like Canon just came out with, and that one is their first with image stabilization, their first eighty-five. Okay. And it comes in $300 cheaper than that F1.2, which most people should not buy. Not just because it's, it's so expensive, because if you, yeah, if you shoot at 1.2, you're going to do that once and you'll be like, I can't nail my focus. This was yeah. a bad idea. I'm going to shoot this at F4. Well, if you're going to do that, just get the 85.14. So I just saved you a few hundred bucks there. You're still going to drop like 1,700 bucks. So you've got your regular lenses, you've got your primes, you've got your zooms, and then you've got specialty lenses. And so that's tilt shifts. Um, let's say fish eyes like an eight millimeter fish eye a circular fish eye for those of you who want round photos good luck printing those right <laughs> like no one prints anyhow but you know you've got uh tilt shift lenses what else is there there's all kinds of uh of different um, kind of specialty glass that you're going to use lens baby yeah we already, I already said lens pay attention i didn't hear when you say lens baby i said lens baby oh, i didn't hear i tuned I, it now, out uh, you're gonna have to li- now you're gonna have to listen to this episode I, I, I know. I know. <laughs> if I have to listen to it and edit it a thousand times, you get to listen to it at least once. That's your punishment. Fine. Deal. <laughs> but um, specialty lenses like lens babies, tilt shift. What else is there? Do we consider macro a specialty lens? Yes. I mean, see, the, okay. So even tilt shift and macro lenses can be used as regular lenses. And a lot of people have like a 135, right? Or a 105 macro, which they yep. also, which is also a great portrait lens. 
And these new tilt shifts from Canon, they've got a well, they've they've beefed up the locking the knobs and everything, and you can lock it in the zero position, so you're one hundred percent sure everything's aligned for yep. you to shoot it like a regular lens. So if you've got the money and the each, I think all three of them are $2,200 a piece. Yep. So I think there's a 50, a 90 and what was the other one? Like a one. It was like a 135 or 135. Or 135. Yeah. 135. Yeah. Maybe. I think they're all what F 2.8. Oh, I don't know. Actually, I'm going to bring the link up right now, but uh, definitely like you said, there's a, there, there was a 90 millimeter lens and then there was a 24 millimeter lens that they had two versions of. Now we're talking about tilt shift. Yeah, I think that's the 24. I used one of the 24 cannons when I shot cannon. A buddy of mine had, I believe it was the 24. Those are fun to use because if you're up close on a building and you're trying to shoot it with, you got a wide angle lens, it does the keystoning thing, right? So depending on whether yeah. you tilt it up or, you know, you want to get the whole building in the frame. So then you're tilting up and things are falling away from you or towards you. And it doesn't look like a building anymore. It looks like you're at the fun house. Yeah. And so when you have a tilt shift lens, you know, you've got your camera pointing forward and then a portion of the lens can, well, it can move up, left, right, whatever. Shift, it shifts it, up it, and down. Yeah, it shifts the 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 focal plane, right? It fits. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, the optics, and so that way you can get those lines straight up and down. You could do that. Gosh, what's that effect called again? Where call, you can, well, the the lines straight up and down is called rectilinear. Yes, but I'm talking about like that, that like that little not tiny planet kind of yeah, look, the small you can, with a miniature world. Look yeah, miniature, so it makes yeah. it look like you got like little tiny cars and stuff. But see, that's an, how much are you going to do of that? That's another thing too. <laughs> like that, I'm, and, and I'm that, done with this tiny planet nonsense. Yeah, that that had its moment in the sun as well. That effect, like in episode three, <laughs> we talked about HDR. I think it was like State Farm or or um, Allstate, one of those uh, insurance commercials in the U.S. There, there, they had a campaign, and it was all, um, you know, with that tilt shift effect. And you're right, it's like one of those things where, like, uh, I think Laferay, Vincent Laferay, did a bunch of that, and it, it was like, okay. This is great. But what's funny is that the clinical, kind of like the, the actual clinical use of tilting. So to Sharky mentioned, shifting is the lens, the, the, the lens element actually goes up and down or left and right, I guess, um, to, to get your line straight, like really straight. Tilting was originally meant to give you a deep depth of field, deeper beyond what the lens is capable of normally. So like you can get crazy. And that's when you're shooting, like when you're closing aperture. But there's this like interesting byproduct that when you open the aperture to so so and speaking of apertures, the 15 and 90 shark here are 2.8 and yeah. the 135 is at four. And they're all L series. So they're, the, you know, Canon's higher end lens. L for um, luxury. L for luxury. Anyway, so if you're shooting above, but for me, I had three tilt shift lenses. This was when I was doing commercial photography, like architectural photography. You know, it's like one of those things, uh, a carpenter, they have their, their hammer, you know, the tools that they need. They have their, their, you got your ball peen hammer. I just like seeing, yeah. saying ball peen. Go ahead. Neither here nor there. Neither here. Yeah. That's ball peen. <laughs> Go ahead. And then you've got, you know, you've, you've got the tools for commercial real estate architecture. If you're doing that, yes, software's come a long way. You know, Lightroom, you can, and Photoshop, you can do all sorts of amazing things with content aware corrections and lens profile corrections, fixing pin cushioning and distortion. But there's no way if I was getting paid asking real money to do architecture, you, you, better be sure i'd be going with a tilt shift lens like that's and it's such a niche lens i've spoken with sony about this too with some of their product managers it's like why can't you make a tilt shift lens because right now you have to adapt them for sony mirrorless cameras i don't yeah. even think they make tilt shifts for their a mount for their full frame like no dslr camera 
Do they? The aim. That, I don't think they do. The aim oh. out that they. I, I say it has zombie status. It's still alive. Kind of stinks. Yeah. But right, it's still kicking. They, they, they're really they, not. You don't hear them ever talk about aim out, and yet they're like, no, we're we're still we're all about the yeah. aim out. <laughs> we, no, <laughs> the aim out is train is meant to be transitional until yeah. all the glass and everything is over on aim out. Look at what they have the artisans talking about. No one's talking about the A ninety nine Mark two no. or any of that. Or the, the the last camera they came out with was months ago, and it was like 18 months before that. So that tells you all you need to know. You were essentially talking about getting it right in camera. If you're being paid, listen, if you're paying $2,200 for a tilt shift lens, yeah, you're probably doing some architectural photography. It might be for yourself. It might not be. You're not going to leave that to chance in Photoshop later. You right. know, you're yeah. not you're not going to correct that in Lightroom. You can kind of, but it's not the same thing. And well, it messes with your composition. You know, like you can actually lose a piece of your composition because you lose a lot of your frame. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like it's making something out of nothing. It's actually cannibalizing part of the composition. You know, Phil. Phil. Content aware, Phil. Oh. He's aware of his content. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, god so stupid i'm but the so sorry dying right now <laughs> as you as you know i've been waiting to use that for a while but that it was it was the appropriate go ahead oh my god i'm so sorry everyone <laughs> so and we stupid. just we just lost like two-thirds of our audience thank you Jackie. no they're all in now they're like i'm a hardcore <laughs> fan of this stuff this i don't know what this <laughs> is i'm listening to but i like it it's like a train wreck and everyone loves to watch a train wreck unfortunately <laughs> oh man that, that just, no, but that seriously, hurt. you <laughs> you lose my soul. <laughs> no, it, enri- it enriched you. You lose a lot of your frame, so yeah. you have to shoot wider. So if you are shooting a building and you're as far back as you can get, you're out of luck. You need a tilt yep. shift. You can't. You're just not going to make it work later. I don't care who you think you are. It's not going to happen. If you can shoot from across the street with a, a long lens, maybe you can make you know everything happen. Everything's nice up and down, left and right. You're good. But a lot of times you can't make that happen. That's when you want to tilt shift. It's a yep. specialty lens. It's one, though, unlike a circular fisheye, which is stupid. <laughs> see, I, I, <laughs> rent I, that. Rent that lens. Do not buy it. You see, I, Unless that's all you're going to do. Circular photos. I mean, you're going to have a, a collection of circular photos. Who's going to like my avatar for, for Google uh, Hangouts and such and, and, and Twitter? It's already round. I'm great. I'm going to shoot it with that. Oh, no. my God. I couldn't agree. I couldn't disagree with you. I actually have. I have my one one published book, the Visual Palette, that I have. I have an entire chapter dedicated to the Fish Islands. That's, That's how much the I, chapter no one reads. Brian. The Funk Buster. Everyone, I, everyone flips. What is it? Uh, uh, is that like uh, chapter uh, eleven or something like that? Everyone just. just I don't need to read ninety percent of your book. They're reading, but that's the one they're just they're they're skipping so like, it. If there was a heat map of the of where people are reading that that section, there would be just plane right everyone will be skipping. you're gonna have to explain heat map for the people that don't understand what heat map is so a heat map is a graphical representation of interaction so let's say you are on a website let's say you go to amazon.com a heat map would show where people click the most and so like if someone if people are clicking on the top left of the web page most it'll be represented by like a thermal like orange and in any areas that are kind of yellow or blue, that that means that it's very, very light click. So you can see where people's eyes are going. Thermal so. Orange. Great band name, by the way. And also, heat maps will find that hot Sony A9, like, right away. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so heat map. Where were you going with that? There's, if, if your book had a heat map, it would be blue over that entire circular 
That's what you're saying. I, I'm sorry. Listen, I think the fisheye lens is one of the most underrated funk busting. Like if you're in a funk and you're just, you know, you, you can't get a good shot. You put on a 15 millimeter fisheye, everything opens up. Your, the world opens you, up. How much are you paying to bust this funk? It was a very sad day when Canon discontinued their 15 millimeter f 2.8. wasn't like an L series lens. It was like 600 bucks. You can get it used. They weren't selling enough of them. No, you don't they drop really... something that, you, that you're not selling enough of. No, they actually doubled down and made an eight to 15 millimeter lens. Um, <sighs> uh, and it was L series. Now that eight, eight millimeter, I think eight millimeters. Just no lens has a business of going wider than fourteen millimeters. You don't yeah. need twelve. You don't need eight. I don't need to see behind me and into the past. Yeah, I don't need to see exactly into yesterday. It captures your soul. That's how. That's how wide it is. And because of what happens is you go and you shoot it, and God forbid you angle it even slightly down. Now you've got your tripod legs in the shot, you know, or your or your your feet. You know, because of these ultra wide lenses, <laughs> you better have nice feet. And why are you but, taking pictures? What are you with your shoes off? That's weird. But well, I mean, listen, some people there's a, there's an audience for that. No, the the point is that I think fish eyes. Some of my favorite photos of like Empire State Building that I've shot of um, Mesa Arch in Canyonlands are fish eye shots. And you're right so, up on it most of the time, right? You're not shooting that from a block away. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Like any wide angle lens, you you know, you gotta get. I, I always, yeah, I feel like a wide angle lens. If you're shooting subjects from a distance, everything falls flat because it's so far away. As far as specialty lenses go, I wish I actually Sony doesn't have a native E mount fisheye lens, but what they do is for the 28 millimeter lens that they have, they have a, a little fisheye snap on adapter, so it turns it into a fisheye. So how much are these things? How much are how much would a uh, eight to fifteen go? How much is your typical circular fisheye? Let's say we're talking about circular fisheyes. Fisheyes, yeah, they're going to vary in prices, but we're hundreds. I would only recommend the fifteen and finding it used, like going Fred Miranda or KH or something. And how much and are you going to pay for that? Four fifty. I would spend four fifty to five hundred bucks, depending right, on so the condition. So you better really want to shoot circular fisheyes and such if you're going to do that. I, I would argue just rent it. Unless you really are in a funk and you're like, you know what? I'm going to do, going back to episode three of this podcast, where you want to do a project. I'm shooting everything in fisheye. That's all I'm doing. Circular fisheye. I make, I'm the circle fisheye. I'm the circle photo guy. That's me. That's my niche. Wait, 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 wait. The 15 millimeter fisheye doesn't give you that circle. Like with the, that's like an eight millimeter, 15 millimeter fill, a 15 millimeter on a 35 millimeter frame sensor fills the whole sensor. No, I know. I'm talking about specifically getting something as ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. A circular fisheye lens. That's so, no, so specific, so limiting. <laughs> I mean, but okay, so get it, but rent it. I would say rent any lens before you buy. I agree with you there. Okay. Sounds good. And if you're going to do that, use my sponsor, Borrow Lenses. <laughs> Your sponsor, the, not our the, sponsor. Not our sponsor, but I'm going to drop it anyhow. <laughs> use the code PP25 between now and September 30th of 2017, and you get $25 off of any order of $50 or more. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so there you go. Go go try a fisheye lens or a tilt shift lens. I mean, um, you know, I think everyone should. We, we are kind of bashing on that miniature world thing. That's easy to do when you've done it. but. There's something really uh, fantastic that kind of discovery phase of a, a photographer who tries, who figures out like, oh man, 
they, they see that effect happen. And it's really cool with the miniature world effect to see it happen in camera. Cause if you, you have the money, buy a tilt shift lens. 2200 bucks. It's expensive, but you can use it as a regular lens. Get get one that's going to be, well, you're going to have to mess around and look online and see what would be the great, the right focal length for you. You might want the 50. You might want the 90. I don't know. Maybe you want the 135 or whatever. But Oh, look it's at a, the 17. Okay. And so there's that as well. Yeah. And, and okay. And then so you'll be able to get up closer on buildings and such and do you just go look on Flickr or whatever where it'll show you what camera was used what lens was used and i I, just in general before you buy a lens look and see other photos made with that lens to see if you're going to like that or not and then you can go in lightroom and it'll tell you what focal length you usually shoot at and if you have a a really you know wide range of lenses let's say you've got the trinity you know you've got the 24 to 70 the 7200 oh and the the 14 to 24 then you can see what you mostly 1635 most only Nikon people have 14. Oh, no, no, no. Who has uh, Sony now has a 14 to 24 or 12 to 24. That's right. So you were saying. <laughs> no. So <laughs> Ryan Matias, wrong again. No, just kidding. So <laughs> yeah, you want to find out what suits you best, rent it. And then I think a lot of people, you know, they're pricey, like I said, 2200 bucks. But I think a lot of people would really love a tilt shift lens. You've got so many options. Just seeing that magic happen. And it, it, it really seems like magic in your camera, seeing a building that would normally fall away. It's called keystoning. Just being able to, to adjust that all. So it's all your world is right again. Everything is straight up and down and left and right and everything is great. And being able to do all these other things and use it as a portrait lens or a landscape lens. That's great. That's a multi-use lens right there. Anytime you can use something in multiple ways, your money's going a lot further. Whereas yeah. with a circular fisheye, you're stuck with circular photos. You're hating <laughs> Rent on it, it once, man. I promise you, you won't use it again. Go ahead. I disagree totally. I, di- I disagree totally. That's what's great about this show. It's not like, yes, I totally agree. <laughs> oh, yes. Go ahead. No, but and then the other thing, like, you know, and, and it's interesting because now I'm thinking about it. I was going to say that if you were to define a specialty lens, it's something that has a very kind of specific purpose. But, you know, you, you were even saying. And limited tilt, use. Limited use, right. It falls within a fine kind of constraint. But yeah, tilt shift lens, I think the tilting effect is very limited. You know, that miniature small world effect because you have to, you have to shoot wide open aperture. You have to shoot from above. And so yeah. you're limiting yourself in terms of the, the subject matter, but shifting. People shoot down like on traffic. They'll get on a building like, you yeah. know, the 20th story and they'll shoot down, you know, a long stretch of, of road and it looks cool. And then you're like, all right, I've done that. Yeah. Next. Don't, n- <laughs> next. Next. So um, like Lens Baby, for example, they make their Composer Pro and their Sweet 50. And I think they have a Sweet 85. It's like a soft. They make a lot more lenses than you. Recently, I had. Uh, the, the guy that uh, created Lens Baby, uh, maybe it was a m- number of months ago, do the intro for our show. And I, I just, I hadn't checked out their site in a while and I mm-hmm. hadn't seen anything. I guess they, they haven't submitted it to Petapixel. So there's a lot of new lenses that I just personally didn't know about. And they've got dozens of them, it seems, in every possible mount. And yeah, yeah. I mean, lensbaby.com. They're not sponsoring the show. No one's sponsoring the show, but you, not yet. But not you got to, you got to check that out. There's so many possible lenses that you got with Lens Baby. Yeah, and it's kind of it's one of those things where um, I think like the tilt shift or the tilting, you know, or even a fisheye, it's an effect. So like you know, they're only you're not going to go and shoot a, a thousand photos 
with soft focus. But if you apply it in the right way, in the right context, it can complement a, a larger body of work really, really well. Same thing, I think, with a fisheye lens or tilt shift lens. Like It just shows versatility. But if it's all you're doing, then that effect kind of will get old. It's like doing sepia. You're not going to yes. sepia every yes. photo. Yes. You know, Perfect. that's when you're shooting like a cowboy scene. You're like, all right, it's now 1874. <laughs> right. And you have the, like, the, the, the bright vignette where it's like, instead of it darkening, <laughs> it's like an old timey kind of warranted poster type of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. So, so that's, so, I mean. What other special- kind of specialty lenses? We're trying to think of that there's. Well, do you know what there are? There are those like. Um, oh, in well, I don't know. I was thinking infrared cameras and stuff, but especially the, well, let's talk about specialty cameras. Well, getting well, getting ones that are full spectrum versus you know infrared and and being able to shoot you know things that are different. Those are specialty kind of. That's all yeah. in right there. You're not going to convert your your D810 right. to infrared. Well, unless you put a filter on on the front, but the, that's a, always a pain because you have to like focus and expose. Yeah. And then put the the filter on because once you put it on, you can't see through it. But I think converting cameras because I don't know how many people in the audience can relate, but like I would oftentimes sell camera bodies. Like I'd use it, and when it was time to upgrade, I would sell it. But there's a point where, like, a point of diminishing returns where what you would get for a used body for selling your body, it's not worth selling it. So what a body? For, <laughs> We're not going there. Go ahead. Sell your school. camera. Stay in school. Um, <laughs> is selling your camera body um i so i had an a7 so original og a7 rather than sell it i i sent it to um life pixel not life pixel it was whoever sony used because they did it for me um and they converted to infrared and so i'm using this this you know i don't know how old the a7 is now like five years old but it works perfectly you know and so when i go out on a landscape shoot especially because Typically, it's like landscapes that that resonate really well and respond well to infrared. It's just like like I said, how um, the the Canon the fifteen millimeter fish I I call that the funk buster. Same thing with infrared. It's just like one of those specialty things where if you're just kind of like hitting a wall, that sometimes will it, it changes a scene so dramatically. But like you said with sepia, you're not going to be shooting everything infrared. <laughs> you can overdo it, just like with HDR. A little bit goes a long way. It's like using WD forty. You're, you're not spraying a ton of that on, on your uh, what do you call it on your door hinges? Just a little bit. You yeah. want just a little bit, just to get the cre- the creak out. That's right. So so yeah, I mean, in terms of other specialty cameras, you know, I, I don't know if you want action cams, sports cams, like those. I don't think that I would consider those. Yeah, those are. I was thinking more along the lines of you know you can like lifepixel.com has been around for oh gosh it might be like fifteen plus years or so. You send your camera into them. You can get it done as infrared, full spectrum. They've got a number of different options. These are also things that you can rent. Yes. Yep. Our lenses or wherever else. Yeah. If you're in a funk, you know, you might not want to send your camera in and spend hundreds of dollars to get it converted. You know, drop a hundred bucks or so. And during the fall when the foliage is, you know, just it's everything's changing and changing right and yeah. then you <laughs> and i'm not gonna sing the song i promise please don't and then uh, but we, yeah we haven't paid for the rights for it and then you uh you can change it so you can shoot infrared yeah you know so just get one that's that's converted already rent it go shoot it one weekend and then call it good move on to something else yeah i mean it's 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 an economical way to kind of keep the creative juices flowing for me, it was just like when I saw the A7, I, I didn't want to, either I was going to sell it at a loss, you know, not a, 
at a loss, but you know, not make much money off of it yeah. or um, just, you know, plunk down a little bit of a couple hundred bucks. So I don't want to make, well, you revived it. Essentially you gave it new exactly. life with exactly. a different purpose. And then, so you've got it in your bag, like your bag's not heavy enough, you know? And well, so you, you've got, well, but you're going to, you're going to bring it with you when you're going to go shoot landscape. So you've got it in the bag, ready to go. It's a utility lens. You know, it's a go-to special, like, like football teams have a specialty guy, you know, he's a kicker, right. he's, you know, whatever. And so that's what you have right there. Yep. So for you, it made sense because you do a lot of landscape stuff. For your average person who's maybe working a nine to five, they're only shooting on the weekend, renting it would make sense yeah, unless totally. they want to do a project where they shoot all in infrared, which would be an amazing, great project. You don't see a lot of that. You no, really don't see a lot of infrared photography. And that's not for a reason. It's not because it's horrible. It's real. You could, it's beautiful. It's, it's when it's done know, right. Get, it's, it looks magical. Oh, you get, in the winter time and everything too. I mean, everything just goes white, and yep. you've got pink foliage. It's just it's craziness. Yeah, it's, it's you gotta it, check it out. There is a learning curve to it, which you know it should be mentioned. That's part as well. of the fun. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm not not trying to distract to dissuade. Yeah. It's just when you see a beautiful infrared on the online, someone shares one. More often than not, that's not what it looked like right out of the camera. So, um, but no. if you're if you're looking for like Sharky said, it's a really really viable option. So I can't think of any other specialty cameras and lenses right now, but you know, Nikon's got that D eight ten a, the one that's for astrophotography and it's, it's, it has some special filtration inside in front of the sensor. I believe that I thought they removed the anti-alias filter, which, well, it's uh, not just that that's not going to give you anything that's necessarily why they they probably did that. I'm, I'm pretty sure they did that, but I think they also added a special filter that makes it so you can uh, cut through maybe some city light uh, pollution or yeah. and then just bring out the stars and everything and well, like those star eating Sony's. There's also <laughs> Leica makes their like black and white cameras. They're like monochrome cameras. Can't even True. shoot in color. And you you know okay so it if you don't <laughs> if you're not a dentist <laughs> and, <laughs> and so thus you know a Leica owner you <laughs> are a rich guy. You can shoot with a Fujifilm or just about any camera these days. You can shoot in monochrome mode. And as long as you're shooting in raw, you know, you're just, it's telling when you get in the Lightroom, it's telling it, okay, this is monochrome. This is how to change it. But you're, it's not baked in. But if you're shooting JPEG, then it's baked in. It's, it's baked in right there. So you have, and you can even shoot if you want, you can shoot in sepia tone. I don't know why you'd want to. (laughs) You want to see your world as it was not in the 1800s, but (laughs) when Wyatt Earp was allowed. (laughs) I guarantee you in in 1854, it was in color. It wasn't sepia. (laughs) Hey, partner. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I don't know. We've we've beaten this to, we've beaten this horse. Yes. That horse. (laughs) Sharky, let's do it. Let's move on. Let's, I want to talk about. Oh, we could do a whole episode on this, so we don't want to go too deep in the woods here. But going pro, mm. whatever that means, whatever versus that means. enjoying photography. What is what to you? What does going pro mean? What does that even mean? Going pro means to me that you have elected to make photography your primary source of income. Primary, and you've probably I mean, quit your job unwisely. <laughs> yes, you are. You you've quit your job. You have no benefits. You're going it alone. Well, no, you you, you exactly. You ideally, if you're if and I don't want, I should, I was going to say smartly, but you know, you have incorporated in some form. You either have a limited liability corporation, an LLC, or an S corp. That's what I have as a as an S corp. You know, 
I pay taxes as a business. I have like my a business checking account. I have a business credit card. Um, and the two and do time, not mix. And never the two shall mix. But um, you know, when it, let's say I do a job for a thousand dollars, I immediately take thirty percent of whatever's income. So three hundred dollars that goes into my savings account that gets saved for taxes because you have to pay. Ta- guess what? A thousand dollars. Someone pays you a thousand dollars. You know, even if you're working, yeah. if it's if it's um you're not incorporated yet, you have to claim that. So, um, and because I'm a, I have an account. That's the other thing. Is a you have an accountant? You have someone who helps you manage your money. Uh, my accountant, her, the one edict I gave her is just keep me out of jail. I don't care if I have to pay. Tell me what to pay. Be smart about it. You know, but um, but yeah. So as a professional, it's not just. You don't just take the photos or whatever it is as the hobby or, you know, for the, the, the love. Of course, that's that ideally, if you're a professional photographer, you still love photography. But if I don't make money, I don't eat. <laughs> I don't get to, to pay my bills. So it's a great weight loss program is what you're saying. It can be. It can be. It can. Oh, unfortunately, though, like McDonald's is super cheap. Wait, so Your children will not appreciate that, though. No, no, it's, it's so, yeah, I mean, and, and there's, it's, it's not just about the photography. It's, it's everything that comes with it. It's the marketing side of things. It's, um, you're going to be working 12 plus hour days and dealing with nonsense. You're going to be dealing mostly with business and not with actually taking photos. So the reason I want to get into this is does someone even want to go pro? A lot of people, they quit their job. They go pro and they decide, you know what? I, I, now it's become a job, right? I don't enjoy it as much anymore because now I have to deal with taxes and health insurance and stress and just all the cut. I mean, we pay ridiculous amount of money each month for insurance. Yeah. As a self-employed person, it's, it's really, um, it, I mean, um, the way that I see it is it's, all of the success and all of the fa- the failure is on you. Um, and so, and you're totally right. 12 hour, 13 hour days. I'm not in front of Lightroom for 12, 13 hours. I am, um, cre- I'm writing an article for Digital Photo Pro magazine. I'm prepping for the podcast, which indirectly, hopefully, you know, will lead to income as we get, um, the show gets bigger and we bring on sponsors or we take on advertisements. I completely like I'm trying to think of the things I did today. Today was mostly writing an ebook, think creating a product, getting a newsletter, paying for the newsletter. Yeah. Um, just it's, it's, there's a lot of work that if I had a full-time job, I could take it or leave it. I can choose like, Oh, you know what? I don't need this stuff. But, but you know, they say, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. In other words, it doesn't seem like work to you. I work 14 to 16 hour days and half for three years now. And you will not hear me complain about that. I might be tired, especially since we took on doing this podcast and and all the technical stuff to ramp up to what we're doing. I am so tired lately. But you know what? I do it happily because I love doing it. And I have fun doing it. I think I'm pretty good at it. And that's the thing is, and you are good at it. It, Some people, they just, it becomes a calling. And the thing is, like for photography, for example, I think what a lot of people, the thought processes they they like, they happen to be a good photographer. Oh, I should 
I'm a good photographer. I'm a great photographer. I sh- I, I'm just going to make money. Your friends and family will tell you that on Facebook. You should be, you should be pro. You should right. be charging for this stuff. And, and the thing is that being a good photographer or being, you know, a great photographer, that's barely, that's bar- barely considered minimum bar to entry. Meaning you have to be, it's like one of those goes, just like, for instance, this podcast, we have to be entertaining. We have to be able to put sentences together. We have to interact with each other. We have to be able to edit the videos. The, the audio thing, has to be good. The we audio have to has bring to it. Good. You have to, and in an age, especially in photography, when in an age where everyone is a photographer, you have to be really darn good if you're going to make a living at it. Right. You have to. You have to know your craft inside and out. You're out, you're always still learning, but you're going to be the person that people come to. If people are coming to you to learn stuff and you're explaining it to them very well, you've got it down and you and you take really really good photos and people want to pay you and you're getting a decent amount of money, then and you, well, you've got a 9 to 5 job, then you start considering. I think it's when it gets to the tipping point where you're getting so much work and you're having to turn people away because you don't have the time, then you consider you don't necessarily make the jump. You consider right. you know, whether or not you want to be in the photography business. Yeah. I mean, it took me years of, especially when I was living in Massachusetts and it, um, it started becoming clear like that the, the real estate or the landscape stuff, we were talking about this earlier with, with tilt shift lenses, even that, like I was, I love architecture. I knew that much about myself and I was, I can, I, I was good at it. Um, and it, it, it I I you have I had to hustle meaning I would go to like new restaurants that just opened up and this was when websites like I was saying uh, I think in episode 3 like blogs were still big and websites were big bigger than social media and people needed photos and they need photos today for their social media pages but I would go and I would I would take these photos and um it got to that point just like you said Sharky where eventually I think it was intercontinental my biggest client Hotel Intercontinental. Hotel Intercontinental. Um, I had to, I had to make a decision, but that was um, a while. I mean, I had shot a bunch of, you know, and you 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 price yourself accordingly. You price yourself to what you think you're worth, Um, and so you kind of know, or once it's it's you're ready, you know, because you you already have. You're in earning income. You don't just start like a cold start. Like you ever take a a, a like a, a pressure washer or a lawnmower and you just pull it, yank it without priming it. <laughs> like nothing happens. The engine just seizes. Um, that's kind of with pro. Like you don't just jump into it, like, hey, I'm going to be a pro photographer. Um, whatever that means, even anymore. There's so much. The taking of the photos is the furthest thing on my mind when I wake up. Like. I don't just go out and drive around and shoot. That that to me is not a sustainable business model. I sit down and I'm creating content left and right, you know, and that's that's my personal business. Other photographers, yeah, they do commercial work, but man, it's a tough field to be in right now. You have to differentiate yourself and then also, you know, social media, build a following. Y- y- yeah. yeah, there's a lot more to do these days, and I think a lot of people feel like the the point at where they feel successful is where someone's willing to pay them and pay them a decent amount of money and maybe you don't need to judge yourself that way maybe just 
doing great photography and getting kudos from people and likes on Facebook and whatever is enough. And you know, keep your day job, enjoy photography. Don't make it a business unless you you have to just want to really put yourself out there and take some risks. And you know, the, the upside is there's a lot of potential there. But, you know, in photography, there's there's a ceiling. You're not going to make millions of dollars in photography most yeah. likely. I think it's it's it photography going for working for yourself for photography shouldn't be any different than working for yourself in any other other industry where I think it's why photography specifically, this is such a unique concept is because that barrier to entry that you mentioned in episode three, where anyone can become a photographer. So it's like the, the, the aspiration of becoming one is, is that idea can get formed a lot easier. Whereas like, let's say I want to be a carpenter. It seems just, reachable, like being a doctor or a, car, or a carpenter, whatever you said. Do you, you think you get you buy a camera? I'm a photographer. It's a lot easier. Right. That that seems like an easier jump. People might be miserable in their job, and it's like you know what? I enjoy photography. I have a camera. I can do that. I'm not going back to school to be a doctor. That's too much work. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely I envy hobbyist photography, and I don't say hobbyist like it. I think, unfortunately, that word is it has such enthusiast a photographers, even enthusiast, enthusiast, amateur, which technically, which I, yeah, for means for the love of, yeah. Um, it, when I'm out, if I'm out shooting, I am shoot. I'm not shooting just for the hell of it. I'm shooting to for whatever reason, either to get content for an article, for a blog post, a video tutorial. Um, you know, the enjoyment of it is like a a, a happy byproduct. You're on a mission. Yeah, you, you're, you're I, knowing I, what you're. You're not because you you've, you're a busy guy. You're not and, going out and and just shooting willy nilly. No, no, no I, I'm, I'm out. You're not going to yield anything out of that. No, you need to. I need to have a forecast. Like behind the the camera here, I've got my whiteboard and I have everything forecasted of what I need to do. You might um, even check the forecast. I better check the. You forecast. better check the forecast. Yeah, if I need to shoot something for clouds, yeah. I need to make sure there are clouds. Um, so yeah, I mean the the whole professional versus it is a. I I wonder if any other vocation or whatever has the same problem. Like, oh, what about like comic like, like illustrators? Yeah, like are there people who have the same hangups about being uh, whatever for whatever professional? illustrator means like or is it just kind of like yeah there's a clear delineation i think it's something unique to photography i i I can't think of something else i don't think you you know you're in your garage swinging a hammer and you're like you know what i think i want to build houses like i'm pretty good at a swing and like i hit the nail like almost every time i think i can do this and a a nail gun i mean that's easy right there Oh man, yeah, it's, it's a photography like, thing. It's I think, yeah, I think so. I think it is. Um, you know, I, when you marry it with other professions like journalism and stuff like that, it is. You know, I um, I really and as another like, I have a a big bone to pick with all these blogs that like Metapixel and F Stoppers and F Stoppers and everything. We'll get where, into that in another in another episode for sure. Well, where you have these people who you know consider themselves journalists and, and meanwhile you see some of the drivel that they put out um you know it, it becomes an overglorified you know tabloid in that case where i think that you're at, like you want to say you're a professional photographer you want to charge money 
take money for for your services that's great that's between you and, and the person paying you and whether you know you meet your obligations to a point of satisfaction but like when you're like a journalist and you know to me that's like you're crossing a line because you're not holding yourself to the, to the standards of a journalist in a lot of these cases but yet you want your press passes you know you want your creds your badge and you want to get out and see things like i don't know that to me is where there needs to be a, a, a more a clear delineation between you know a blogger and a journalist we live in a different world you know anybody can put up a blog anybody can go ahead and and request credentials if you have a popular enough website or social media channel you might get a press pass to one of the expos or conventions it's you know again it's a value trade kind of thing yeah and so uh well i don't know we'll get into that we should get into that for a whole separate episode talk about petapixel talk about f stoppers talk about luminous landscape all the ones out there and uh and get into that maybe a little more deeply before we get too off the rails i like unless you had something else to say no no that was it all right Uh, we should probably talk oh go ahead no no let's i want to close out by saying and i think you agree with me like it's not in no way dissuading anyone from wanting to pursue their uh, a career in photography it, it when it works it's it's really enriching but just know that it requires a, a serious amount of discipline um not as a photographer in fact it's the, like 10 percent is photography yeah. but as a business person treating yourself as a as an organization protecting yourself by incorporating paying your taxes getting an accountant you know paying for your health insurance let's not forget that so so just take the don't make that step very lightly um, but if you're going to do it do it like all in you got to be all in and you're going to be working hard and you're not going to get much sleep you're yeah. not going to want to go out and shoot because you're tired so yeah. you definitely have to consider whether or not it's something you even want to do so yeah all know. right I mean, let's talk about gear gear you want me to go first yeah Okay, so what's on my shelf? <laughs> what's on your What's on your shelf? <laughs> so half the times it is, half the times it's not. Hey, the XT2 last episode, that's on my shelf. Um, this time, it's actually my shelf. One of my shelves. I'm talking about the, and it's something I turned you on to, the Rubbermaid Fast Track System. Oh my God, yes. It is, I don't know how I discovered this. And you're, you're going to get obsessed if you get into this. So Rubbermaid, you know, they make, stupid things for your uh your kitchen and whatever but they also make this modular organization system for your garage that's based on these rails that you screw into like the ones i I think the ones i have are large ones are like 84 inches or so yes and they screw into the studs and once they're in there and you got like eight or ten or whatever and once they're in there that's part of the wall and so it's this metal rail, and then you put this, uh, it's like a grayish kind of black, blackish kind of gray, however you want to call it, um, thing that slides over it that just makes it look nicer. And then from there, you have down rails that you can put, or you have hooks. Like, for instance, in my garage, I've got ones to hang all my uh, you know, lawn care tools and stuff, the weed whacker and all that stuff, and, and snow shovels and whatever. There's a whole winter section, et cetera. Now, in my home office, in the closet here, I've got a closet that runs the length of this room, which is awesome. It's huge. And I've got a fast track, Rubbermaid fast track system in there. And so I've got these down rails. And then from there, I've got small shelves and uh, larger shelves, these kind of like almost baskets that has kind of like a gate opening on the front. It kind of lifts up a little bit and outward. 
And so it's a little bit expensive. It can get expensive when you get deep oh, into yeah, it. it but you know, yeah. buy once, cry once. You're going to have it for a long time. You could get shelves. And I've got a shelf here in my office that I got at Costco. It's like about 50 or 60 bucks or so. It's a steel shelf and it's one, two, what, five, you know, uh, five shelves, five, you know, planks or whatever. And it's pretty deep. But when you put stuff on there, you kind of like, you forget about stuff. It kind of gets pushed to the back. You can't see it as much. The fast track system shows you, you, you get, to, you see your stuff a lot easier and it's, and it's more utility and you can, it's more modular. You've got a bunch yeah. of different, uh, containment systems etc so you got little ones that are meant for like screws and nuts that you can put like little you know photo things in there little adapters and such and label you can label it and it's just it's great i think it's just a if you want to put your lenses on there like you do i notice in your in your closet you've got all your lenses on these shelves and so obviously this is not a secure system someone breaks in your house they're like oh thank you you presented this very nicely for me i'll take this this and this you know yeah, so mean, it's not but, a, it's not uh, a protective what, gear system, but I don't know anyone who I mean unless you have a lock and it's not hard to to put a lock on on my on the closet, but um yeah. I I came into the fast track system because of Sharky when I moved here to Lincoln I I needed a um a, some sort of system to store things and so he sent me photos of the fast track system and I became obsessed. So and I, we'll I'll post photos on on the show notes at at no name photoshow.com for this episode. You'd send me pictures from the home Depot and you're like, damn you. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, you know what is you told as soon as you said, you're going to get hooked. I mean, I I was in the home Depot and I, and I saw some other people looking at it and I'm like, guys, trust me, get it. It's the, you know, it, it, there it's that modular, the ability to kind of like put, you know, a hook here. Like I have my tripods hanging on hooks. Um, so it, it, I agree with the fast track, great selection. Um, it's one of those things where if you just want to tidy up a closet with your photo gear and you'll see, I'll show you the photo, the photo of my closet. It's everything is in its place. It looks really nice and it's easy to find what I need. It's not just easy to find where everything is, is it gets a lot of stuff off the floor, off of shelves where you're not making the best use of space. Right. And it's right there. The the wall space is going to be there regardless. You might as well put stuff on it and securely. And it's just nice to have. Yeah. So there you go. The Rubbermaid Fast Track system. So you're going to spend, you'll easily spend hundreds over time. Yeah. But it's it's worth it. Now, what, worth what's, it. what's your pick? My pick is a lens. And it's a lens that I'm excited to use because I'm going to visit my family in New York City in a few days. And when I travel... To New York, for example, I, I I want just light. I'm not shooting, not bringing a bunch of stuff. So this is this current lens that I have here is my Zeiss, and it's the Loxia 21 millimeter f 2.8. And the Loxia is so it's a manual focus only, which I'm okay with. Um, I, I don't mind, it, especially with you focus, got focus peaking, yeah, because you have focus peaking, which focus peaking basically draws a colored outline over whatever's in focus. And it's fast, and it's super light, and it's super small. So, like this to me is what mirrorless, full frame mirrorless is all about. You know, as you have like Sony and stuff coming out with their faster lenses, their their twenty four seventy and sixteen thirty fives, they're getting bigger and heavier. So you're creeping back into the DSLR days with that weight. So this this is you know this is a twenty one millimeter. They have a thirty five, a fifty, uh, I think an eighty five, um, yeah, eighty five. And 
I'm just going to take, I have the, I'm going to take, that's the 21. I'm going to take the 35 with me. Aperture is controlled on the lens, you know, physically. Um, focus ring is really smooth. And so it's just one of those things where I'm probably going to do more street photography and some architecture. And I just, I'm not going to even use a tripod. It's just going to be my camera in my hand. And I just want something that won't make me feel exhausted after an hour of roaming around the city. And that'll do it. That's a great pick. Thanks. How much does that lens go for? New. Um, I want to say maybe 1800 or so. Loxia 21 millimeter. Zeiss. Zeiss. Uh, oh, it's uh, from B&H. Well, $1,500. Good amount of money, but a great sharp lens. A beautiful yeah. lens. Yeah. I, it, the Loxia system is really nice. And if you want nice. to autofocus on the full frame E-mount, you'll go with the bodice. We should talk one episode about the difference between bodice and loxia and what they're that confuses people. They're bird <laughs> classifications. But what why there's the like, you know, you got L series in in uh in Canon and so what a bodice is versus a loxia. Like is it a I different line? Get, what does it mean? Yeah, I'll get some I'll, I could probably get one of the product managers. We can have them as a guest. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that? That would be really cool. That'd be cool. We should do that. Let's All right, I think we've uh I think we've gone long enough this episode, episode 4. Yeah, I think it was a good one. Let's call it good. Yeah, so everyone just to remind you, head over to nonamephotoshow.com uh to get show notes and subscribe, be sure to subscribe. And then we're on social media everywhere at no name photo show, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Tell your photography friends. If you like this show, if you like my show, the Petapixel Photography Podcast, do that. Go to Matias.com, which is Brian's site. We never mentioned your site. That's all good. You can go there, sign up for his newsletter, check out his blog, a yep. bunch of other nonsense he got going on over there. Sure. <laughs> all, all right, right Sharky. Till next time. Let's do the clap. All right, here we go. One, two. You're way off. That's okay. One, two. It'll line up somehow. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the No Name Photo Show. Sharky and I would be thrilled if you would subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using and tell a friend. How about we do this again next episode? Yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm.